When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abul Samad from Navigant Research. And I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives. Rebecca, I've seen some content from uh, some of our other friends. I think Nicole Wakeland posted her first thing on uh, Rebecca Drives. Yes, yes. So I had a couple of friends. Uh, Nicole Wakeland po- posted on um, the Kia Seltos. And then Abby Bassett posted on the Toyota Highlander. They were two trips that I did not go on, and I really wanted the content for Rebecca Drives. So I, I had them. It just, I, it's not an all girls website, just to clarify, because Sam has posted as well. So um, it just so happened that two of my friends were available. Uh, but yeah, they did a great job, and it's been a lot of fun, and I continue to enjoy writing in 200 words or less. Yeah. So if you want to read that stuff, go to RebeccaDrives.com, right? Like that's, yes. that's where it should be. Um, and they were posting because you were busy. Uh, I was busy with the Corvette. Can you talk about it? Yes. Okay. We'll get to <laughs> that. Right. We'll get to that. But let's, let's talk about other stuff uh, first. Cause Sam, I'm actually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong actually, but you, you were driving the 2020. There's a good chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, usually I am. Uh, my Twitter beating this morning certainly told me I was wrong. <laughs> so uh, you were Twitter's the, never wrong, right? The 2020 you, Nissan Armada. Oh, okay. we, is that that's like the old one, right? Like that's not that a is, new thing. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's been around badged as an Armada for three years now. Um, you know, they they previously had the old generation. Uh, armada which was based off the first generation titan pickup truck um and then that got discontinued a couple you know yeah 2017 uh they replaced it with this new armada which is actually a rebadged version of the nissan patrol which is what they sell it as globally and apparently it's quite popular especially in the middle east and africa um and they they brought it to the u.s to replace the the old armada uh, rather than doing a new SUV off the new generation Titan platform. Uh, and in fact, there's also another version of this that's also sold here as the Nissan QX80, which uh, arrived in its current form a couple of years before the Armada did. So the Armada is, you know, the slightly more affordable alternative to the QX80. Right. And um, the QX80 looks like, like, it's so funny that they've got like the QX80 looking the way it does because it looks like a giant whale, like Moby Dick. And then <laughs> the Armada is, you know, that's a, a name for a fleet of armed ships. And it's kind of like uh, Moby Dick won the day. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, the, the Armada, you know, is a big three row full size body on frame SUV, uh, roughly the same size as a Chevy Tahoe or Ford Expedition uh, or, you know, a Nissan or a Toyota Sequoia. And, you know, those, those, there's basically four vehicles in this segment or four, four platforms in this segment in the U S market right now, you've got the GM utilities, the, the Chevy Tahoe and, and the long wheelbase suburban, the GMC Yukon and the Cadillac Escalade. And then from Ford, you have the Expedition and Navigator. Uh, Toyota still has the Sequoia. And then Nissan uh, has the Armada and the QX80. And surprisingly, the, the Armada has actually got a, fair, a decent amount of market share. And back in December, when I went to the backgrounder for the new Tahoe, when they were showing us that at uh, the, the Milford Proving Grounds, they put up a, a pie chart showing the market shares for the big three-row body-on-frame SUV segment. And they actually had, you know, the Nissan at about, or had Nissan at about 9% of the, the market, which surprised me that they had that much. But, you know, I, I pulled up the, the sales figures for 2019, and Nissan sold 32,000 Armadas last year in the U.S., which was quite a bit more than I anticipated. That's it's a lot good. more than they, it's a lot more than they sell Titans. The the na- the navigator the navigator sold uh just shy of nineteen thousand last year. Um the expedition, which would be the more direct competitor to this, sold eighty six thousand. And the Sequoia uh was uh about just over ten thousand units last year. But GM really dominates this segment. They you know between the Chevy, the GMC and the Cadillacs, they sold two hundred and sixty three thousand in the U S alone last year. So, you know, they're, they're still the, the big guns in this, in this segment. We like our big trucks, huh? Oh oh yeah. We, we certainly do. Especially if they come from GM, the Armada is a big, heavy SUV. And, you know, because it's based on the patrol, you know, it benefits from a lot of features that the patrol has, you know, cause the patrol like the, you know, Toyota Land Cruisers and, you know, some of the other higher end, SUVs, big SUVs that are out there, they they really are designed with some pretty substantial off-road capabilities in there. You know, so this is not just a crossover. This thing's got all the kinds of things that you expect on something that can go run in the desert or anywhere where there isn't actually pavement. You know, so you've got things like a dual range transfer case. So you've got four wheel drive low capability, locking rear differential, different driving modes. So you can switch back and forth to it manipulates the things like the stability control uh, slip thresholds, uh, you know, so that you can put it into snow mode and get better traction in snow or, or loose dirt or sand, things like that. Uh, so it's it's actually a pretty capable SUV. And when I went on the, the drive a couple of years ago in California, when they launched, when they first launched this Armada here, we drove it out in Carmel and we drove it on an, on an actual off-road course. And, you know, it's it's got four-wheel independent suspension, uh, like, you know, like the other vehicles in this segment. And it was pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty capable. And you get, you know, it was one of those things like, like with a Jeep, you know, you get it up on two opposite wheels there and it just keeps right on going, you know, two wheels in the air, two wheels on, on mounds. And it just, it just keeps on going. That said, you know, it's not, I mean, it's okay on road. Um, you know, it's reasonably comfortable, but you know, when you compare it, especially to something like the new Tahoe Suburban and the, the Yukon and Expedition, body control is not as smooth as as what you would expect from those 
you know, it does drive pretty heavy. <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> you feel the all 5,500 pounds of this thing. You know, it's nearly three tons. And at the price point that this one at, this was a, a platinum reserve, you know, so it had, you know, all the, all the options in there. It came to over $71,000. Oh, that's, that's right in the heart of the market. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's at 71 grand, you know, it doesn't feel as luxury as you might expect it to at that price point, especially if you compare it to a Navigator, for example. Now, you know, a Lincoln Navigator, you know, or an Escalade is probably not going to have the kind of off-road capability that this has. But nobody's going to use it. <laughs> like, or, or that's very that's few. probably yeah. true, at least especially in North America. You know, there's going to be a lot fewer people that are going to use it here than they might in some other markets. Um, you know, and for those that, that really want off-road capability, you know, there's a lot of other options that are probably a little more expensive, but also, you know, more, you know, offer more, have a more luxury feel to them. My wife and I went out to dinner and she looked at the, the wood, you know, there's real wood trim on the dashboard. And she said, you know, it looked like plastic and it kind of does, it doesn't look really premium. You know, the seats are kind of flat. They don't offer a whole lot of support. Um, you know, it's roomy, you know, it's a, it's a big truck, so it should be roomy. It's also really <laughs> thirsty. This thing averaged about 11 and a half miles I mean, from what I hear, that's about what like the Cadillac uh, XT5 which, gets. <laughs> uh, I've never done, done that bad in an XT5. I, but Sam, you're right, though. The patrol is, first of all, they're everywhere in the Middle East and we see it often. It, it is quite capable in the sand, which, of course, is desirable. And it is that traditional truck base that is, you know, almost required. Uh, for driving in in other parts of the world and, and and it's done frequently. So I think it's a you know it's a great vehicle from that standpoint, even though it is pretty old, but it's still it's uh I think it's a I think it's a fun it's a fun vehicle to drive around in, in the sand. That's all I'm gonna say. Not that I ever drove in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right. That's that's true. That, that uh. never happened. Never happened. Um, but, but, and I think that's the thing, like, that's the thing to remember is that, uh, you know, 30,000 units here in the U S is kind of just like icing on the cake for them when they're, they're making their money with the patrol elsewhere. And it allows them to have something in, in that market space. Um, it's funny though, that, uh, the, I guess it's not, it, it makes some sense where, so where the Nissan ends, right? This is your platinum reserve. It sounds like some kind of whiskey, but uh, <laughs> your platinum reserve was 71. Uh, that crosses over the QX80 starts at like 66, 67. So. And, and that's, you know, that's fairly typical when you look at, you know, where there's, you know, a mainstream brand and a luxury brand, you know, within the same automaker, you know, like for Ford or Lincoln, you I mean, at the, you know, there's usually some over a bit of overlap there. You know, it's not a clean break, you know, because, you know, the reality is that most people aren't going to buy the the absolute base version of the premium one anyway. You know, so they yeah. usually end up spending more than that. So it, it's it's not it's not that surprising there'd be some overlap. Because I think if you really want the nice interior, the, the QX80 has always impressed me. Yeah. Like at least the, the way they put it into press fleets, which is... <laughs> so nice i just <laughs> love the cabin of that thing i have always loved the qx80 cabin and it, yeah. it is it's like you said it's it's very thirsty it's got that and it's another one with a big v8 that makes good noises and uh just doesn't make a lot of power but, it's got adequate power yeah it's 400 horsepower yeah and that base you know the the um the armada starts at 47 one so there is overlap at the top end 
but you're not really yeah, getting yeah. the same capabilities if you spend 70,000 or 65,000 on the Armada um, versus, you know, the same amount on the infinity version. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure like the difference is um, you, you get the Armada with everything <laughs> versus yeah, exactly. the infinity with like some. Yeah. No, exactly. Moving on from very expensive Nissans to cheaper Nissans, you, uh, you Sam were in the Versa as well. Yeah, so uh, the the new Nissan Versa launched last summer, and, and Rebecca and I were both on the launch drive uh, down in uh, Louis Nashville? Nashville, 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 yes, Nash Vegas, yes. And it's much better uh, than the old Versa, right? Which was like, awful. oh yeah, yeah. This is this is actually a quite you know quite a nice car, you know, for for an entry level car. This is one of the cheapest cars you can get in you know as a new car in the U.S. right now. Um, aside from, I think the only one that's cheaper is the Mitsubishi Mirage. And you definitely want this more than you want the Mirage. Uh, no, no question about that. Um, in fact, uh, starting price, you know, including delivery for the ver- for the new Versa for the base S model with a five speed manual is fifteen six fifty with uh, delivery. Uh, the one I had was <clears throat> the SR, which was loaded, uh, came to just over twenty one grand, and that you know it had everything on there, and you know for twenty one thousand. You're getting, you know, a decently sized compact sedan with um, you know, full suite of driver assist options uh, as features. So you've got um, lane keeping assist, uh, forward collision warning, radar based adaptive cruise control, uh, blind spot monitoring. You know, you've got everything on here, and you know it's it's a nice looking car. It drive. It's got decent driving dynamics. You know, it's not enormously powerful. It's, I think it's like about 130 horsepower from the 1.6 liter four cylinder CVT. But the you know, it's it's more than adequate for you know as a daily commuter. Uh, you know, it's certainly not going to run with a Corvette or anything like that. <laughs> but you know, it's fine. It's it's all most people need. And you know, in the, the you know, when you look at the the way prices are going, you know, it's it's actually really hard to afford a new car. You know, and, and I think, you know, Rebecca, you can uh, confirm this. You know, I think it's about the ratio of used car sales every year to new car sales is about three and a half to one, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's like two. Yeah. I can't remember that, but it's a huge yeah. used car is a huge number. Right. But, you know, for somebody that's looking to maybe buy their first car, buy, a ba- buy basic transportation, they want something new with a warranty. This is not, this is a really good cho- choice. You know, it's, it's roomy enough for, for four adults. It's got a decent sized trunk. Personally, I'd rather have a hatchback, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's the, the American market. Do you, do you think it's a mistake to not offer it in a hatchback? Uh, probably not. You know, I don't think the, the note, the Versa note, which was the hatchback version of the previous generation. I don't think that ever sold really well. Um, you know, personally, you know, like I said, i my preference would be a hatchback, but I think, uh, and, and at the Chicago auto show, uh, Honda was talking about at their press conference, they talked about the, the civic hatchback. They were surprised at how well it's selling. It's actually about 20% of civic sales, you know, for the, at the Versa size class, you know, considering that customers are moving away from smaller cars, I think they probably decided that offering a hatchback version of this one probably wasn't worth it for the volumes that they would have. Yeah, but and that Civic hatch is so cool looking. It's yeah. really badass. Like they they've set it up where it's so sporty looking. 
Right. Uh, I totally agree. So I think, you know, the, the only real complaint um, that I have about this, about the Versa is I just wish Nissan would find a better supplier for their, their in-vehicle screens for the displays on pretty much everything they build on the Nissan brand. They have what I would say are probably among the worst center screen displays of anybody in the industry. They're low contrast. They're dim. They have a lot of glare from the sun. They're hard to see even when you're not wearing sunglasses. And if you put on polarized sunglasses, they become almost invisible. They're, they're just terrible screens. I've got an idea. Please. I've, I've I've got an idea. Keep yes. the screens out of the cars. Well, there's a concept. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, unfortunately, hey, hey, none that's, of that crazy talk. Uh, it's not well, going to happen. Unfortunately, that's not a realistic proposition no, these I days. Know. I know. So, you know, I mean, if I mean, look at Hyundai Kia, you know, they're, they have cars in the same price segment, you know, the, the Kia Rio, Hyundai Accent, and they have found a supplier of displays. They, they have some of the best displays. You know, they're, they're high contrast. There's no glare. They're, they're matte screens. They look really good. Nissan. One, one of the things I will say about the, the screens in Hyundai Kia cars is, is um, I can't get them dim enough on a, on a, like regularly. I just expect that now when I'm in a Hyundai or a oh. Kia or a Genesis, I can't, I can't get the screen dark enough at night for, for me. And so then like a blackout mode out. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not like, that's such a, a, kind of like a picky detail. Um, but it's not, it, an, know, it's not an, it's not an insignificant detail. Yeah. Cause but, it actually can bring up eye strain and, and that glary at night that can, that can get tiring after a while. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that's, you know, that's why we're going to start to see in the next few years, a shift probably towards more OLED screens, like what we have on the new Escalade, like that yeah. we talked about recently. Well, they're just very expensive at this point. So right, they are, but they're, but they're coming down in price. Um, but, you know, at least among LCD screens, you know, the the ones that Hyundai and Kia use are so much better. They're, I mean, they're at least usable. You know, yeah. the, the Nissan screens are just terrible. Please, Nissan, fix that. <laughs> you know, the rest of the car, you know, is fine. I, I didn't have anything, any real complaints about it. You know, and keeping in mind, you know, that this is basic entry level transportation. You know, it's maybe it's not quite as sporty feeling as, you know, say a Honda Fit. Uh, but. You know, if 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 you want basic transportation, it's good. It's really good. And I think it's it's highly, you know, I, I would highly recommend this. You know, and, you know, the the one I had, you know, was the SR, which is the top end model. You know, it starts at 18240. You know, the one it the, 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 the test car I had, you know, had a couple of option packages on there. The electronics package with a map, poc- map pocket light and. Uh, illuminated kick plates, you know, stuff you don't really need. Uh, and the lighting package, you know, with exterior ground lighting, you know, 700 bucks for that. Skip those, just add the convenience package that gets you the heated front seats and the intelligent cruise control, and you're good. 18.5, 19.5 with delivery, you're, you're all set. You know, under 20 grand, you know, and you've got a really good car, got 35 miles per gallon, um, you know, and it's, it's decently fun to drive. Well, a penalty box fun to drive because this is this is the penalty box class like no i mean you know you're not going to get you know all soft touch surfaces in there you know it's mostly hard plastics but it you know it looks fine you know they did a nice job on the texturing um you know there's no when you look around or you, you feel the, the edges there's no sharp flashing you know everything's nicely trimmed off 
Um, you know, so it's definitely not a penalty box. It's comfortable to drive. You know, it's adequate performance. So no, I would not, I would not say it's a penalty box. Okay. All right. I mean, and it's, what does it have the, you went over the powertrain, right? It's got the, the CVT is the transmission. The Nissan does a pretty yeah. good CVT. So yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a good CVT, the 1.6 liter four cylinder naturally aspirated. You know, it's, it's the same powertrain that's in the kicks. Um, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a decent powertrain, you know, it's, um, you know, to get the, keep the price down, you know, they, it's got things like a, a twist beam rear axle instead of an independent rear suspension, but it still had, um, you know, good ride quality, you know, even on Michigan roads. So yeah, nothing, nothing that I would complain about, especially, at, you know, in the context of what this is supposed to be. It's definitely, you know, if somebody's looking for a basic, a new car, you know, with a new car warranty, you know, and, you know, basic transportation, you know, if you don't want a crossover, you know, then I think that this is one, you know, this is a really good option. So your choices are basically like um, Versa or Kicks. They're kind of the same sort of hardware, right? Underneath. And I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're both yeah. on the same platform. So, uh, you know, either one of them is, is fine, you know, and if you want something a little taller, you know, basically if you want something taller that, you know, is more, you know, that has a tailgate, you know, is kind of hatchback like, go for the, the Kicks. You know, if you want a sedan, go for the Versa. And the Versa yeah. is a little bit cheaper. Did you want to talk about the QX50? It's kind of anonymous. And I wish that that uh, really neat two liter engine was uh, a little bit more refined. Um, this is this is not uh, not the crossover to drop $50,000 on. It's it's nice. It's not super duper expensive, but there's there's better choices in the class. I, I had some issues with the new um, Infinity InTouch. I don't really like it as much as... Uh, the, um, the, you know, like the Hyundai Kia systems tend to just wind up being the benchmark. Um, it just, it's not, you know, I put it in eco mode and I was shocked at how like borderline dangerous it is. It's really, really <laughs> numb to the, uh, to the accelerator. So you got to like floor it <laughs> and oh. that kind of erases any point of putting it in eco. Um, yeah, overall I was not, uh, not blown away by it. And there's, there's materials issues in it that I don't think it, it, it was a lot more Nissan than infinity. Um, which, which surprised me, but you know, it's the right size. It's not priced poorly. It looks good. Uh, doesn't, doesn't really distinguish itself in any other way. Okay. Let, let's get your take on the Corvette. Then. So I will be the first one to say, I have not spent a lot of time in previous versions of the Corvette. So I am not probably, uh, the best person to compare one to the other, on this, by the same token, I do like the fact that my first real time in a Corvette it was in the mid-engine um, because I feel like I'm starting out with really one of the best cars on the road today. And, you know, we often talk about price point on this show and this price point at $59,995 is insanely good. Like it's it's crazy what they have done for that price. So. I was in, in Las Vegas earlier this week. Uh, the way that they set up the program was the first afternoon we actually had it on road. Um, there's beautiful roads outside of Vegas, the Valley of Fire. Uh, we we drove through national parks and it's just gorgeous. And we were blessed with an incredibly gorgeous day as well. So this car, I was in the LT5, one with the, with the, the high speed, the um track performance package in it's it. It's like Z51. Z51, suspension. thank you. Right. But what I loved, what is so cool about it is there's this thing called the, the Z mode uh, for, for Zorro. 
And it basically allows you to pick and choose every aspect of your experience. So I tend to like a heavy, tight wheel, uh, but you know, you don't necessarily want that suspension on the road. So I was able to pick a track steering feel with a more touring road feel, but I wanted my brakes to be really crisp and fairly aggressive. So I did sport for my brakes and you can just pick. It's really, really cool. And it provides such a personalization uh, in this vehicle. I was driving with the delightful Henry Payne, who writes for the Detroit News, and he's actually a very accomplished race car driver. So it was fun because we were able to talk about how he would set up the car. And it was there was a lot of similarities. We both like that heavy uh, the heavier steering feel, but just the ability to be able to pick and choose was was really, really cool. I, I drove it for about an hour and a half and it was just nonstop comfort. The other thing that I do mention quite a bit and and go back and forth on whether I should is the height, you know, I'm short. And so trying to get comfortable in a lot of cars can be difficult. But the visibility, because there's no engine in the front anymore, the visibility is 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 fantastic out the front in the back at that base model or entry level, I prefer to call it because there's really nothing base about this vehicle um, at that $60,000 price mark, you are not getting the rear camera view on um, the mirror rear camera view, which is a $1,500 option. And I will tell people that that is an absolute necessity because out the back, it's very, very narrow. You know, the engine is back there. Now you've got really thick, I guess there's C pillars back there and, mm -hmm. you know, and visibility is definitely compromised out the back, but out the front, it's fantastic. So, that, you know, that's yeah. fairly standard for a mid-engine car. It is, it is very much so. And, and I think we're also fortunate that we have that technology now with that camera view uh, to be able to help with that rear visibility. Uh, the, it was interesting to read some of the early impressions too, because the, um, the front visibility uh, was, you know, compared to, I guess, some of the other cars, it's not quite as good as like a McLaren <laughs> or an NSX. And I'm just like, well, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't driven. Fair. I haven't driven a McLaren. I have spent time in the NSX. I found this car to be I mean, the, the A pillars are incredibly narrow. I don't know really? who who's having trouble with visibility because I felt like it was a wide open landscape. I think that it's less the um, the visibility overall, which is definitely an improvement. It's more of the the fact that like you can see the road closer to the the edge of the hood in in some of the others. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, I mean you, but you um, some of the seating positions, sort of where where the seat height is set, but also, yeah, I mean that's that's like a a variable of the car. Yeah, and, I mean I I found it to be outstanding, and 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 it's and because. Yeah, the other cool, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I felt the visibility was really, really good. The other thing that's neat is the steering wheel, which there's been some controversy about the steering wheel. Well, because it's square. Because it's square. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it allows for easy movement on the track because then the next day we had it on the track. And so, you know, again, it never got in the way. And there's plenty of room. There's a lot of travel back and forth in the steering wheel. So you can push it. You know, I like to push it all the way back into the dash. And again, some, you know, other people with, if you're taller, you need to pull it out more, but it's all electronic. So it's easy to make those minute adjustments. Uh, but the, the top of the steering wheel, when it's in, in the square position, you can actually, it perfectly frames the, uh, the dashboard and, and, and 
you know, the information center that's right in the middle, right in front of you. And it fits it perfectly. And which is those kinds of attention to detail is pretty cool, I think. I again, I had a very souped up version. It was eighty five thousand dollars, but we looked at the sixty thousand dollar one, they, which they had there as well. There was a seventy thousand and a seventy five thousand dollar one. So you can, and yeah, even even at eighty five, yeah, you know, that's half the price, exactly. half the starting price of an NSX, exactly. right? And like that, that's 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 always been sort of the Corvette thing is is like yes, but for the price. But I feel like there doesn't really need to be that sort of disclaimer, no, as much anymore. Like it's it's amazing what they have, uh, where they have priced it, um, but it's not like you you miss out on anything it's it's comprehensively engineered it's well made it's uh you know maybe it's down a little bit on power uh compared to some of the other cars that cost quite a bit more it's almost 500 horsepower i know i I know my gosh which is which is and and the dct so so the the dual clutch transmission they base it off of porsche's pdk which is a really really good benchmark and because the pdk is now i i actually drove the original pdk when it first came out years ago on the 911 and it was okay but then we got to drive it again and it was that much better and you know now of course it's it's really i mean it is the benchmark and the 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 dual the dct that this corvette has it really is it's faster than a human it's faster than anything that you could shift and you know, Henry played around a little bit with the paddle shifters. I I just, you know, and, and the pro driver, when we did hot laps, he played around with it, but not that many people really did because you just don't need to. You're not going to be better than what they've set, how they've set it up. I, I'm curious, you know, about, you know, one of the other controversies with this thing, you know, was that whole center console and that crazy strip of buttons that, you know, that sweeps Absolutely. up from the center console. What did you think about that? So, um, so this is what I wrote in my, in my review is um, it, it, it's festooned with an array of control buttons and bifurcates the passengers in nearly puritanical fashion. And unfortunately, because I'm limited to 200 words, I did have to take out the text about any hanky panky is going to be limited to only the most acrobatic of people. You've got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But, you know, it wasn't as noticeable once you're in the cabin. It definitely divides. I mean, it is it is a cockpit uh, for one. For sure. The passenger is almost like a sidecar. Uh, but it, you kind of get used to it a little bit, I guess. It's, you know, the buttons are actually so that the top portion of the buttons are are the driver controls, the HVAC, uh, the heated seats, things like that, some comfort ones. And then the bottom part is for the passenger. And that actually works out pretty well because it is. It is at like arm's length. It's it's at it's at hand level for both the passenger and then the driver. If they've got their hands at at uh, nine and three, then it's at a nice level for them to play with the buttons. the The screen is the so the center dash screen is very much oriented towards the driver. And the only wrinkle we ran into that was with the radio. The radio button is real is at the top left hand corner, and that means that it's really only accessible to the driver. Henry is very tall, 
and he was able to reach over, but he, to turn it off or to adjust the volume. But it was a significant stretch. And like for me, I looked and I'm like, that thing's just too far away for me. Yeah, I mean, Henry's about six four, six five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was it was not I think if they had and I actually told them I made the suggestion, I would look at moving that button to even the right corner, upper corner, or or right lower corner. I think they would be better off. I mean, it's sort of like right now it's all the way up. And if you think about the U S it's all the way up in Seattle and I'd rather see it down in Florida. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just for, from a positioning standpoint, but what they told me, and this really kind of surprised me was that most Corvette drivers are drive by themselves, which I was kind of well, surprised. Yeah. About. I mean, have you spoken to most Corvette drivers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Be careful! You're getting into my dating pool right now. I, well, I mean, like, in your diary, it's like drove Corvette, insufferable for pages and pages. But no, um, no I, I tr- truthfully, though, I, I think I think that's probably not uncommon for sports cars. Right. Know, I was going to say, I bet it's probably the same as Miata drivers in that sense, where it's it, it's a it's a two seater, and so most most people kind of drive only themselves. Other than family drivers, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, no, that's true. I know. I was, I was a little surprised. So I, you know, but so that's that's one of the reasons. It, it's not. I'm not going to say that I love that center console because I don't. I think it's very. Um, there's, you know, there's two kind of awkwardly placed cup holders, and and but it's it's not so much they're awkwardly placed. It's more that they're awkward to use. Uh, there's very little cabin space. There is a slot for your phone, which is kind of cool because it, while it's behind you for safety reasons, it's in a good spot. Uh, and it kind of, it, it's, it's like a rubberized uh, container. I, I should have taken a picture of it. I, I'll try and find one online. Uh, and that's where your phone goes, which is kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, and then there's a small center console, like little cabin, little storage bin. Um, but then again, it, it is it is quite small. So, you know, the storage in the cabin is pretty minimal. There's um, there's little I don't know if they still call them map bins because we don't have maps anymore. But <laughs> yes, you know, we do on each door. <laughs> door pockets. <laughs> what are they called? Door, door pockets. Door pockets. Oh, yes. Yeah. Door, the door pockets were which, again, were pretty useless. They're 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 pretty shallow. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, there's the frunk is great. There's you could definitely fit some grocery bags in the in the front of the vehicle. And then in the back, they did show that they could fit two uh, golf bags that were Corvette designed golf bags. So I don't know if you're going to, you know, and of course, being a Corvette, you know, it's got to be able to hold a couple of golf bags. Exactly. Right. Like, I, mean, I asked about <laughs> shoeboxes and got nothing. I, so. I, I hate the metric just because I've golfed very little and I it hurt. Um, but the <laughs> the Corvette, like. The immediately it came out and it took this just shellacking for sort of the shape and the, um, you know, the squared off tail, which I honestly I, I've seen it enough now. I don't think it looks bad. Um, there's definitely it's a modern design. So there's a lot of angles, a lot of strikes, a lot of lines. It, it's it's not quite as like uh, sort of minimalist as some of the earlier Corvette designs, but it, it's in keeping with the times. It's a modern design. So I'll give I'll give that. Exactly. But also, yeah, what, yeah. I mean, I did. There's, it's hard to take a bad picture of yeah. this thing. I got to tell you. 
Yeah. And you know, I've, I've seen a number of these, these C8s now, you know, and it's, I'm fine with the exterior design. I think it's a good looking car yeah. on the outside. Well, and, and like, when you think about the, the, the amount of practical considerations they took into account for this, like, and that's why I say like, it's, it's so comprehensively engineered for, for $60,000, you know, you can store the target top in the back. Um, so it has, you know, built in storage for the, the roof panel. Um, it can carry your, your groceries. So you could daily it. It's, it's, uh, tame enough that you can, you can drive it around, you know, like you were talking about the drive modes, you adjust it for comfort or you adjust it for, you know, a little bit more performance oriented driving. Uh, it's got so much, uh, capability. It's got a really wide range of talents. Um, that's, that's hard to do. And that's so impressive. And it can, it can go to 60 miles an hour in like three, less than three seconds. It's so fast. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, it's so fast. And the thing is that, you know, when I've driven like a Ferrari 458, when I've driven an Aston Martin, the NSX, you know, those vehicles, I, I especially felt like this uh, in the Ferrari. It's amazing to drive, but would I want to take that every day? No, <laughs> you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to drive. I found this Corvette, like I was love to do a road trip in this thing. I would love it because you can adjust those things. So like I didn't, I really didn't enjoy the steering in the touring mode. It was just too loose. It just wasn't, it wasn't engaging enough for me personally. The great thing is that you can fix that. You can adjust that. So if somebody else drives it that does like that type of steering, they can change that. And so there was just, you know, again, it's just that personalization and the, the breadth and depth of capabilities and, and, and variety of uses, you know, the track, I mean, we had those same vehicles then on the track the next day and they were, it was fantastic. I mean, it definitely made me a better driver. I, you know, it just, it was, it was really comfortable. We did launch control, which was a lot of fun to do. and. It just, you know, it was one of those vehicles that you just want to keep driving it. I just want, I wanted to keep driving it. I wanted to keep experiencing it. Well, and so that's, that's something that, um, you know, you mentioned it in passing, right? But you had the same vehicles from the road drive on the track for the the second day. Yes. uh, You know, and you were just one of, you know, however many waves of of people. Right. Seven waves, about a hundred and, I think they said there was going to be about 150 people. Yeah. Was that at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway? No, it was at Spring Mountain where they, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Where they also offer a two day driving class for all purchasers. So if you buy a Corvette, you get a two day driving class. And that's, that's a nice track. uh, It uh, is. uh, You know, it was really nice. I am, you know, I've spent some time on tracks more than the average consumer, but less than a lot of other people in our industry. And I felt like, I could adapt to that. You know, I, I was comfortable in it, but part of it, I was comfortable on the track, but part of it was, I was so comfortable in the vehicle. Like I, I felt, I felt very secure and confident in, with that vehicle. Yeah, I'm just, you know, yeah, and I think one of the, one of the interesting things about Corvettes, especially the last couple of generations of them is they've, they've actually done a, a shockingly good job of, packaging and, and practicality you know for the kind of car that this is you know i mean the, like from, especially from the the c6 onward you know you had you know a pretty good sized trunk under that rear hatch you know yeah. when were still front engine and you know there, there was a lot of space in there to put stuff in, in including that target top 
And you right. still have that ability to put that target top in, in the trunk of this one and still have some storage room, you know, especially with the front. Yep, exactly. You know, we, we took the top off in the afternoon and we were able to store it again very easily. Now, I did not lift it. Henry did. Uh, so I don't know how heavy it is, which, which was, I should have done that. Um, but it was, it was very easy to get off and it slid in and secured, but there was, there was still space on either side, but you're right, Sam, because in the front, you can fit, a, a you know, several pieces of luggage. And so there actually is a good amount of storage in a vehicle that, you know, of this size. And of course the engine takes up most of the back as it should. And so they just there was there was Although a lot. It doesn't, it doesn't actually take up that much space because one of the advantages to continuing to use GM's classic Chevy small block architecture is it's actually you know for what is a fairly large displacement engine at six point two liters, it's actually a really compact package. It's shockingly small and lightweight. Yeah, but they did they did make the vehicle a little bit longer to accommodate that golf bag size, that golf yeah. bag metric. So it is a little bit longer. You know, but no, you're absolutely right. There, there's, I, I feel like people that are going after clickbait are going to really, they're going to be very picky and find things that are really, they would probably let go in any other vehicle because this but thing is really good. Right. There were a couple, 60 grand. It's, it's, I'm sorry, 60 grand and, exactly. and 150 of us idiots beat the hell out of however many for <laughs> days and days and they didn't break like there was a couple of there was a couple of material choices particularly the switches like the and the the levers um on the steering wheel um and the and the stocks that were they were a, i was a little bit annoyed because they could they should have been upgraded they should be they should be at least aluminum and and I I told GM I said I think you should offer an appearance an interior appearance package because that's kind of where you see some of those a little bit of the cost, uh you know they're they're just they're constraining themselves which is understandable, um but I mean they but so much of it is so good like that was really nitpicking, you know like it's every everything you everything you end up touching in this vehicle feels really good. Even the $60,000 one, it doesn't have the leather dash. It doesn't have some of these other things, but it still has the top stitching. It still has really comfortable seats. It still does, does really well. They also do have three different kinds of seats that you can purchase as well. So again, you can customize this vehicle uh, just in a, in a fabulous fashion. Yeah, they've learned all the all the good lessons from Porsche. <laughs> Take you know, stuff out uh, and charge you to put you it have, back. <laughs> uh, you, you you have you have a price that you advertise, and then you have you know all kinds of ways to personalize it. That you know, if you are injudicious with your use of the options list, you can end up spending a hell of a sure, lot more. The, the than lovely 60 thing grand. about the Corvette is of that um, with the C8, right, you can spend sixty thousand dollars, which is like boxster money, and get something that's going to run yeah. with a nine eleven. Very, very capably or faster or, or yeah. faster. Yeah, it's definitely going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it will have to run with one of those hundred plus thousand dollar 911s. Not not so. Well, the, I mean, the portion, the 911 starts at ninety four thousand dollars. Gosh, it's been a while since I looked at the yeah. price. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because somebody said, why not just buy a 911? I'm like, because it's ninety four thousand. Yeah. No, they're, they're also like they're different things. They're base. different things. And it's OK to have more than one choice. <laughs> like, yes. 
Exactly. In there's, fact, it's good yeah. to have multiple and choices. Th- there's room in the market for multiple vehicles like this. And, you know, even, even if you're just looking at, you know, mid-engine, high-end mid-engine sports cars, you know, you look at what's out there in the market today, you know, you've got the NSX, you've got, you know, the Ferrari, um, it's a F8 now. Is that what's out now? Yeah, the F8, you know, or the, the you know, the four, the, you know, the previous generations, you've got, um, you know, you've got all the McLarens and the Lamborghinis and the Audi R8. And every one of these cars has a distinctly different character to it. And they're not all of them are going to appeal to everybody. You know, the, you know, an R8, you know, feel, feels like something very different from a Corvette. You know, just the way that engine sounds and, you know, the way it, the way it rumbles, you know, is, is entirely different. And NSX is something else entirely different. The NSX is a wonderful car. I love the NSX, but it has a totally different kind of character to it than what you're going to get from something like this. It does. And it also, the NSX doesn't have nearly the, um, the modern technology from an HMI standpoint. I mean, that, the you know, the infotainment system on this was really good. As an example, we were driving in the middle of nowhere. I had no cell phone signal and I was able to tap into the Wi-Fi, you know, the hotspot that GM has in all their products. And it worked. And, you know, it was, it was a good example of why, of where you're driving this fantastic, you know, awesome driving machine. And that also happens to have a hotspot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, in, in, to Acura's credit, you know, they put all their, all their That's technology exactly into that hybrid powertrain that's in there. So. <laughs> like, uh, yes, yeah, a, for it's sure. Got, it's got a, it's got an infotainment system that's exactly the same one that's in yeah. our Civic. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but no, and, more sophisticated it does, it does. And, and, you know, again, as you said, the, the NSX is fantastic and it's, but it's a different driving experience. It is. All right. Well, that sounds like a ringing endorsement. Well, it's good, good to hear that it turned out well. And and I I found a picture of uh, on the the media site of the phone mounted in there and I dropped it in the, in oh, the cool. Dropbox uh, uh, you know in this slot that is as you said you know it's on the back wall between the two seats so I imagine it's got to be really awkward to actually put your phone in there you know I guess it, unless you reach with your left arm across and it is. slide it in there well and yeah. and and that's that's I mean when we think about the interior um it is very cozy for sure. Especially, yeah. I I can't all imagine. All mid-engine cars are. I'm sorry. I said all mid-engine cars are, you know, cozy yes. in that way. Yeah, this is definitely cozy. Um, the other thing is that when we did take the Targa top off, there's no place for a windscreen, so it was. While we were able to carry on a conversation, it wasn't quiet by any means. So is there is there a gap back there between the? There or, is. Isn't there, or is the? There's, there's you still have the rear window on there, right? Right, you still have the rear window. And there is a bit of a gap. There really is no place to put any kind of a buffer, uh, you know, a buffering system. Um, and but and speaking of Envy, they did a really nice job of, you know, the, the car. You do have, you definitely have some road noise that comes in from the Michelin tires, but nothing intrusive. You can hear the engine, but you almost, like I almost wanted to hear it a little bit more. They almost overcorrected um, because you are in a sports car and you, you know, I, I am a total exhaust note junkie. So I wouldn't have minded even a little bit more rumble uh, yeah, than I, the vehicle. It, does this not have a dual mode exhaust that they've had on previous vets? I don't it, know. 
it, it I believe it there's, there is an active exhaust, but um, you know, the, I think most of what you hear in the cabin is actually intake noise. Um, yeah. because they, it, it, there was an auto line, uh, I think it was an auto line after hours with, uh, Taj Juchter, who was the lead engineer on it. And, and Taj uh, Juchter. Okay. You're better. You're better at it than I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the problem they had was they, they have a very thick rear window and a very thick sort of rear bulkhead there because what they needed to get out of the cabin was all of the accessory drive noise that's off the front of the engine. Like you don't, you don't want to hear the alternator and the water pump. You want to hear the the intake and the exhaust noise. And you're further from the exhaust now than you you had been. You know, it all it all exits back uh, way behind you. Um, so they they stopped a lot of noise coming through the firewall, and they allow you to hear some of the, the because it breathes from the side vents there that are right outside the windows. You can still hear some of that, and I'm, I'm sure there there's some coming over the the audio system or something. Um, I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, but uh, that's that, that's the balance they have to make, right? Is there's noise regulations. They wanted to sell Absolutely. this thing in global markets. So they have to make sure that it's, it's quiet enough. Although uh, GM may be not selling it in uh, right-hand drive markets, even though they engineered it to be right-hand drive or left-hand drive. And so that'll be interesting to see if they, if the Corvette is like the one exception, because um, GM decided to not do any, <laughs> any more right-hand drive cars. No, uh, they are so. doing, they are doing right-hand drive. Well, there, I know that and, only only the Corvette, only the Corvette. Right, right for the for the Corvette, right for the Corvette. Yeah, and I talked that's to be them. The only one. I talked to them a little bit about that because it requires them to, I uh, basically to you know to they had to there were some tr- there were some uh, parts of the interior that they were able to keep, but certainly that center console uh, they did need to to have a, a new mold for that for a right hand drive. It's not an easy switchover. You know, because that because it is so cockpit centric and um, there there were some there was some expense there that they had to do. Yeah, but I think it's that's also a really smart play because the Corvette is popular like around the world. And uh, to make it easier to acquire and to drive in, in those markets, I think it's, it's just it's smart. So uh, it was it was worth it. Um, there's a lot of engineering that you just don't see in this car. That yes, it's just so impressive, and I, like I, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to just sort of poke in and around it. Um, just again, it's it's the Corvette. The Corvette is always a fantastic bargain for what you get. It so is well, I th- and I think that they, I think this, they did a good job of honoring the legacy of this vehicle and really setting it up for future success. I think they did a nice. It, it's it's really really good. All right. Well. We'll have to get one and see if our, our opinions exactly. match. Yeah. Soon. Consumer Reports Top 10. How many of these have we all had a chance to to drive? I, I feel like I've had a solid uh, solid time in, in most of them. Uh, a good good number of them. Um, do you think that their recommendations are are on or, or off? Like there's stuff that I just expected to see here, which I did. Like their number one compact is the Corolla. Like, okay, ho-hum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would I would take the Civic over the Corolla. Um, that, I yeah. mean, that's sort of like hard to. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. they would shrug and be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I haven't driven either of the Subarus that they've got on the list here, um, but uh, you know, I, I think one that I would take another one I would take issue with is their you know their choice of hybrid with the Prius. Um, you know, just 
you know, I mean, the Prius is very efficient. You know, it drives much better than the old one, but you know, it's just kind of it's hard to look at. <laughs> and you know, for you know, in the same same price range, I would probably take either the Kia Niro or the uh, the Hyundai Ionic. Okay, should we um should we just give them a does it give away the store if we tell people what all of the picks are? I mean they they, you know, they put it out. Sure, as I mean you know we're going to include the link in the show notes anyway. So yeah, okay. Uh, you know, starting off, you know, under twenty five thousand dollars, they picked the, the Corolla for a small car. Um, which you know they said I would probably go with the Civic the Corolla. The new Corolla is very good. It's way better than any past Corolla. So yeah. You know, well, I, you know, I like their reasons for it. You know how it comes with all the, the safety tech and stuff, stuff that's yeah. important to um to to buyers, you know, looking yeah. for value and safety, which is like those are two very important things that are way more important to regular consumers than um how it handles or, you know, turns and stuff. So, no, absolutely. Um, And then, you know, moving on up to the small SUVs, they picked the Subaru Forester. I've not driven the new Forester yet uh, or latest generation Forester. Have, have you? You, you um, have, I think. I, if I have, it's been a while, um, or a little bit. I, the, the most recent Subaru I had was the legacy. Um, but Subarus are so consistent. Uh, I know what I would get if I stepped into the forest I'm not sure I fully agree with that. Um, that pick, uh, it's not a bad choice, but. I just I, I don't know. There's so much choice in that field. I I think you you hardly can go wrong. But I really really like the Rav Four. the The newest Rav Four I think is just so well done. Um, it has everything the Forester offers, uh, in the Toyota way. <laughs> yeah. Know? So it's it's again it's like well, pick pick the color, pick the the styling you like. It, it's it's hard to go wrong here. Um, the the Forester really does I. I can see why it appeals to them. It's standard all-wheel drive versus being an option on some of the others. Um, it does have good visibility. It's got all of those those Subaru traits that we like. Um, but I, I think the Rav Four is, you know, it's more pleasing to actually drive, and um, I don't think it's any less of a value. Uh, it may actually be more. Um, so, and, and tech in both sucks. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, in their, in the text, you know, they also mentioned, um, you know, the Honda CRV and, you know, I, I think I'd probably opt for the CRV. Um, but you know, again, um, yeah, again, like I quite like the CRV too. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're all, they're all very good choices. Yeah. Uh, okay. So hybrid, they picked the Prius. I already mentioned, you know, the Ionic or the Nero. What, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind the Prius, um, but I, I'd actually lean towards like get the Camry hybrid or the Corolla hybrid. Yeah. And like, I don't feel the need to, to jump into the um, the Prius itself. It's just, it's a little funk box. I still don't like the way the, um, they may have changed it now, but the la- one of the last Priuses I had, that center console, the trim was all white. It looked like a bidet. Uh, yeah, I think that was, <laughs> that's on the Prius Prime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the plug-in hybrid. Uh, so mid-size sedan. Right, oh, the Legacy. Um, yeah. yeah, I I like the Legacy. If you like Subarus, you'll you'll like the Legacy too. Uh, it's it's kind of squishy in that Subaru way. Um, visibility is good. It's it's a good Legacy, but it's not a great mid-size sedan, even with all-wheel drive. And now the competition has started nipping at its heels. You can get the Camry with yeah. all-wheel drive. You can get the Altima with all-wheel drive. And I think. Um, 
I think the all-wheel drive Camry, despite of you know its its looks, which can be a bit much, I think the Subaru looks great. Um, but I, I think the Camry is probably the better choice. I I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, okay, large sedan, Toyota Avalon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, again, the the choices in this segment are shrinking. You know, a lot of what was there has has gone away or or is about to go away. Um, you know, and you know, I think of of what's left. Uh, you know, the the Avalon is is probably you know you've, I think I think Hyundai discontinued the Azera in North America, right? Uh, uh if they haven't, they're close. Yeah, I mean, but okay. it's a, he had just launched a a refresh of the Cadenza, so there's the Cadenza, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Avalon's yeah. a, a a great choice, you know, if this is what you're looking for. I think so the Cadenza may f- look a little sharper, may feel a little nicer inside. Uh I think that was my impression of it the last time. I think the Avalon is actually the, the better car to own and drive. Um it's weird though, in large car or large sedan land, you've got a couple of different architectures to choose from, right? You could go with the the Avalon, which is basically a bigger Camry, so it's front wheel drive and it's, you know, a pretty well-known quantity, but you could also go with something like a Chrysler 300, which beyond being oh, old, yeah. which is, is fine. It's an older car. It doesn't drive poorly, uh, but it's also a large sedan. So there's, there's still some choice and it really comes down to what you want and expect out of, out of your car. So that's a really kind of a, it's not a high, high volume segment, but that's a kind of a buyer specific segment. The Avalon's a great all arounder. Like it's, it's going it, to please it just about everybody. So yeah. Um, and you know if if you want something you know in this in this size class you know with a little more uh, sporting flavor to it you know you could always get the charger uh, with a Hellcat engine in it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's a wide body Hellcat charger now, so you know that's always an option for you. Right. I would like to see an Avalon with 707 horsepower, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be interesting. Yeah. You would definitely want the all-wheel drive with that, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. definitely. All right. Mid-size three-row utility. Kia Telluride. I mean, you know, I think obviously a toss-up here between this and the, uh, the Hyundai Palisade. Everybody loves the Telluride. Yeah. But, I mean, come on. The, the Telluride is, I think of the two, the Telluride's the better one of the between the Hyundai and the, and the Kia. Um, but, I mean, what what's the competition for, for mid-size three-row SUVs? Like, um. Let's see. Like, you've got you uh, know, the new. You got the Highlander, um, the Honda Pilot, uh, yeah. Ford Explorer. So um, this is the, this is the issue with this class, right? The, the new Highlander is really pricey. It's it yeah, starts at like thirty five. Yeah, I mean, and and so you know, same is true of the Explorer. You know, it starts in that same price range. You know, they're all the prices on all of these are you know keep climbing up every year as they add more stuff to them. Um, you know, and you know, the, the, the Kia and the Hyundai, you know, are as usual, great value propositions. You know, I think the, a maxed out Telluride, you know, doesn't get you above like forty six, forty seven thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really the winner and it feels like a million bucks inside. It looks so good. The mm-hmm. interior, you took the badges off this thing and parked it next to an XC90. Uh, it would look right at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. So all right, that, that compact pickup, Honda Ridgeline. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I, I think for the vast majority of people, yes, this this is absolutely the best choice for them. You know, in terms of its 
cargo capacity, you know, it's roominess, is driving dynamics, um, fuel efficiency. You know, I think it's a fantastic choice. If you need something that is more truck-like, um, you know, you know, with, if, you know, especially if you need, you know, any kind of towing capability, any more significant towing capability, you know, either the the GM or or Fords, you know, I mean the the Tacoma, you know, is reliable but not great to drive. Um, but you know, the, the Ranger or the Chevy Colorado GMC Canyon, you know, are other alternatives if you're in that segment. Yeah. Well, so remember the focus of consumer reports too. Uh, cause you're going to, I think this is a mildly controversial pick, um, for some truck buyers who are looking for, um, trucky trucks. And uh-huh. that's not necessarily who reads consumer reports. Um, so I, I think that this is perfect for the people they're talking to. And for most people, like this would be the perfect truck for me. You need to haul home some, you know, 20 bags of topsoil for your garden or some, or, you know, 20 bags of mulch, you know, then this is a, a perfectly good truck, you know, and it's so good in so many ways. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, it's comfortable. It's roomy. Um, it's, it's a good truck. All right. Midsize SUV, Lexus RX. No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, no, the, where does that come from? I, I, I have no idea. There are so many good choices in this segment. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, from the, I think, you know, the Ford edge is really good. Um, you know, if you want something more premium, you know, the, uh, Lincoln MKX, um, you know, is, is also in there. Uh, you know, the Acura RDX, I think is a, is a great option here. Um, yeah, there, there are so many choices here Yeah, and the, the RX, you know, is fine, but no, uh, no, the RX is so old. It's ungainly. It's, uh, no, this is not, don't, I, I get from the, the consumer perspective, Lexus dealers will treat you really well. The, the vehicle is going to be reliable and, um, you know, it's not that expensive for, for what it is. It's just. It doesn't feel all that luxurious and it's a Lexus. So it's supposed to be luxurious. It's again, it's, um, it's, it's infotainment is not good and it sucks to drive. <laughs> that is it's true. It's awful. Yeah. Um, this is, this is actually, this is one of the few Toyota products that hasn't moved to the TNGA, right? Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, this, this generation of RX has been around for a for while ages. now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to get a replacement, you know, within the next 12 months. So I would I would probably stay away from this particular choice. Um, it's, right. it's, for for pra- like practical consumer like car as dishwasher things, it'll be fine. But not I I can't I can't get behind it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last one: sports car, Toyota Supra. Um, you know, a sports car is a really personal choice. Uh, I feel like people and, who are and way buying, more subjective than any other segment. Yeah. I think. I feel like people who are buying sports cars are really particular. Uh, so it's, it's hard to pick one sports car that's going to satisfy every kind of sports car buyer. Um, I don't think the super is a bad choice though. I, 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 I know it's controversial. A lot of folks don't like the way it looks. I think in, I've, you know, I was astounded at how great it looked when I saw one for the first time in person. I, I like it a lot. Um, I think in terms of how it drives, you know, the, the BMW bones help it out. Um, so 
I, I don't I don't think it's a, a terrible choice. I think that this one's going to spark more. Yeah, but what about you know dot 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 conversations yeah, I, than anything else? I think yeah, I think the reality is that anybody is looking for a sports car is probably not going to be looking to this list to help them make their decision. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, de- depending on what you want, you know there there is such a it's such a a broad range you know of cars that fall into the category of sports car you know from the miata to the corvette you know to you know an nsx you know and everything in between so i i think i think that this was this this one just doesn't make this particular category doesn't make sense on this particular list it's a really i i would say and we can we can ask um I know uh, Keith Barry. Uh, he's another New England writer. So, and he writes for Consumer Reports. So, I can ask him about sort of the difficulty of the choices here. This was probably the hardest category for them because it is, again, it's it's a little outside of their normal uh, sort of, I guess, sort of like who you generalize as the Consumer Reports reader or you know audience member, and. Uh, there's so much emotion wrapped up in sports cars. It's, it's, that's a hard thing to pick. Um, it, the super is a fun, it's going to be a fun car. You're going to find stuff to like about it, but, uh, it wouldn't be my first pick. Um, but quite honestly, I can't tell you what my first pick would be. Cause I'd have to like, this is one of those things where I'd need to like actually put them in sort of a list and just be like, well, what do I like about this one? What do I like about that one? Uh, and it depends on what you're using it for too. Um, mm-hmm. so the best thing is to get a lot of sports cars <laughs> for different reasons. That's right. Um, but, oh, uh, you know what? We, we skipped the EV. They had the Tesla model three is the EV. Oh, oh yeah. What do, you, right. what, do you, what do you think about that? But I mean, you, know, you have more experience with Tesla's or with, yeah, with Tesla's and EVs than I do. Like I, I have been watching the, the Tesla model three, like it's got a, gotten a lot of, of accolades and, uh, you know, the owner's love them um but also the you know the the media those of us who look at this stuff critically also are very impressed by that car so yeah i mean it does a lot of things really well and you know again you know if you're if you're in the market you know for something in the 40 to 50,000 dollar price range you know or 40 to 60,000 dollar price range in an ev you know it's it's a really good choice um you know if you're, you know, again, it, it depends a lot. I like sports cars. You know, I think, you know, this is a, this is a category now where you're picking it by powertrain and there's going to be an increasing, increasing number of choices over the next year or two um, that are radically different cars. And even what's available today among EVs are radically different, um, you know, from, you know, the, the Nissan Leaf, you know, up through, you know, Model X, uh, you know, and, and all kinds of stuff in between, you know, later this fall, we've got the, the Mustang Mach-E coming, you've got the Hyundai Kona EV that's already out there, the Chevy Bolt. So I think it depends a lot on what you want from a car, um, you know, for, or from, from a vehicle, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to, you know, make all the same kinds of decisions, you know, like which of these other categories, I mean, this could fit into any of the other categories, uh, above, you know, what, you know, cars versus, uh, utilities and and wagons. So we're, you know, we're going to see a lot of different options and there's, there's already a lot of widely disparate options now, just like with sports cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 
without having the opportunity to be in as many EVs and stuff, like I, I have more faith in um, this stuff from from uh, Audi and and other automakers um, that, that's sort of not quite here yet. Um, and I know range. I mean, is, even is even the stuff that's that's here now, I would probably be more inclined to buy you know a Kia Niro or a Chevy Bolt than I would to buy a Model Three. I've been looking for, at bolts on like car gurus and Carvana and stuff. Um, you need a lot of car, a lot of, a lot of EV for your dollar there. Oh, yeah. They're well under $20,000 for, for a used one. And, uh, and yeah. that's, you know, that's one of the challenges with EVs too, is the depreciation tends to be really high. Um, so you can actually get some screaming deals on used EVs. So if you, if you want to buy an EV, I would seriously look at a two to three year old, you know, bolt or a leaf or, you know, or, or even a Tesla rather than a brand new one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody's concern is the battery life. And I just said the battery life is simply not an issue. That's yeah, it's not. And in any of them, like yep. the, the battery is going to outlast other stuff. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's, let's wind it up. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, thank everybody for the, uh, for the, the good reviews on Apple podcasts and, you know, keep them coming if you can, it helps us, uh, to, get up onto their, their top lists and, and hopefully help more people find the show and, and, uh, you know, let your friend, if you like the show, let your friends know about it and, you know, tell them to tell them to come and listen. Yeah. And, uh, Sam, you're going to, you're going to make appearances in other places. I think everybody should look for you. I know you're, you're going on tech guy, uh, shortly. And uh, like you, you are around, you are, you're the, the, the figurehead of, of, uh, <laughs> of real bearings. I'm somewhat prolific. <laughs> so um yeah good uh all roads lead back to us though so that's right. that's good um so anyway thanks for listening we'll catch everybody next time bye thanks for listening to wheel bearings find us at wheelbearings.media and on twitter as at wheelbearingscast remember there's only one vowel that's the a in cast we're also at car review tweets on twitter or you could just email us that's feedback at wheelbearings.media When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.